Welcome to another episode of Field Test. Uh, I'm Jack. I'm joined this evening by Tom and Christian. Right on. Hello. Uh, Tom is an arborist. Christian is a boat builder and I'm a brewer. Jack, I prefer the term shipwright. Thank shipwright, much. okay. <laughs> Christian's a shipwright. Um, He's a ship wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, glad we cleared that up. Um, this is our first proper recording. Uh, we had a sort of a pilot episode last well, about two weeks ago now, actually. In our pilot episode, we really sort of tried to get the hang of podcasting. Some bits went really well. Some bits didn't quite go according to plan. There are a couple of technical issues. Um, but hopefully we wind them out for this time. I think uh, it's, a, it's a bit of like an evolve, evolving kind of thing, isn't it? You know? so, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, um, when yeah. there's an element of we don't exactly know what we're doing, <laughs> um, which or we hope doesn't, uh, doesn't, isn't too apparent to us. We're obviously listeners. professionals. Yeah. Um, but one of the things we joked about in our pilot episode is uh, we joked about the idea of someone writing in or like having a letter to read out. And actually, sort of much to our own surprise, we, based on that first episode, we had loads of uh, good feedback from our listener, possibly our only listener, uh, Murph Nuge. Shout out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what seemed like a joke that someone would um, give us any feedback um, has actually come to life. Um, it will be relieved to know that this uh, this episode, we are not joined by a woman in the studio, um, which is kind of going to be missed, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, hello, Heather. Hello, Heather. Yeah, hello, Heather. Because she was uh, keeping us on the straight and narrow, um, doing a bit of fact-checking and, um, you know, doing some real-time follow-up for us. This year, uh, this year, uh, this episode, we are flying solo. On a pretty cold evening, about three yeah. degrees outside. Yeah. Yeah, it's been clear. Had, had a beautiful sunset, though. Yeah, yeah, cracking day, lovely and sunny. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you got to today? I was, uh, so I've been, I've been working on... Um, a fishing boat, a Scottish fishing boat, and uh, it's all rotten. So I've been uh, replacing um, deck beam ends, scarfing in new pieces. Cool. Yes. And you, Tom? In dust. Uh, I was down at the Helford. Um, there's a hole oak over a quay that had um, basically it was falling. It was had this big split in it, and it was um, falling apart. So uh, basically, just felled two sections of the tree out and onto the quay and burned it all in the creek. So. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's always a good day when you have a fire at work, isn't it? Yeah, a nice big fire in the mud. <laughs> yeah. I uh, well, that sounds pretty wholesome. I ambled through town, had a coffee, sent some emails, and did some paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> I looked outside a couple of times. <laughs> Excellent. Actually, that's I went over to Flushing and delivered some beer. So one of the questions Murph asked was um, he'd like to find out a bit more about the footwear we wear in the UK. Um, we'll probably at some point down the line do an episode where the main subject is um sort of clothing apparel yeah. footwear i think that's worth devoting a whole yeah section it's to such it. a like yeah. a big thing because we've got a very uh, like four seasons in one day kind of climate here yeah, yeah. um so we're not going to get into any apparel in today's episode but, but we will be yeah yeah um and uh keep sending us your letters and fan mail yeah. thank you it's uh, much appreciated actually yeah. uh it's it really is encouraging to have any comment at all it's nice knowing that we're not just speaking into the void. Yeah. Mm. I'm speaking into the microphone, don't I? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so our first uh, sort of first section is going to be a trip report because uh, the three of us and our buddy Hugh were camping on the south shore of the Helford this weekend. Well, and, and, and Toddy. Toddy was there. Well, well actually, um, we went, it was Hugh's birthday and... Uh, when Jack and Tom and Hugh were a bit tied up during the day, 
and then me and Todd wanted to go for a bit of a walk. So we did, we did about, um, uh, like a 12 mile, 12, 11 mile walk, something like that. And then we met up with, and then we got there a bit early. So we just killed some time at the pub and then met up with these guys, went down, went down to, uh, just down the Helford, uh, little river or a creek kind of thing. And, um, the yeah. Helford, uh, in K- Helford is probably not very well known outside of Cornwall, unless you've heard there's a book called Frenchman's Creek, which I think is internationally famous. And we were just a little bit upriver from Frenchman's Creek. It's pretty romantic sort of area, you know, it's like, mm. it's real prestige, like, it's probably, you know, it's it's not miles away from kind of civilization, but it's pretty nice, you know, it's nice yeah. as anywhere in Cornwall kind yeah. of thing, you know? Yeah. It's quite far up like a tidal creek. And then on the far bank from where we were, there's um, a triple SI, um, which is site of specific, uh, site, site of specific scientific interest or something like that yeah I think that's right. yeah beautiful like Cesar Oakwood basically yeah, yeah there's exactly. no there's no light pollution when you're over there it's all you and know owls hooting and foxes yeah. screeching and like yeah. yeah there's no like um power lines or lights or anything it's pretty pretty good it's as sort of like South Cornwall goes it's probably one of the most unspoilt stretches yeah mm. I mean and, and the land's owned by the National Trust and it's one of the few places that you can um sort of they let you camp there you know you don't have to do anything and it's, it's probably about like it's about a mile walking from, yeah. from where you park to, yeah. to like along kind of a dirt path to the yeah. to where you camp and you can have a fire there and like you know just you know you obviously look after the place and um i think yeah. that's probably the reason why it's become you know what why it's looked after is i feel like a lot if you can park your car next to where you're going to camp you get a lot of like dickheads come along and just like leave all their beer cans lying around and just trash it and don't have any respect mm. for it but if you know, if you walk in, you got you. You know, you're more likely to get a kind of people that go in there that are going to look after the place. Yeah, um, it yeah. is. We've been there a few times now, and actually, it does always seem to be uh, cared for. There's very little uh, trace of human presence there, except for sort of one or two um, uh, sort of stone marked fire pit areas. Yeah, and people are good to keep within those, and you don't get people yeah, with rogue yeah. fires like lit all over the place. There's no, I've never seen like like litter and like waste and stuff down there. Yeah, it's There's, always pretty respected. There is a t- I do occasionally spot um, a tiny bit of litter, but one of the things, uh, Tom, you've taught me is you can actually perform the opposite of littering, which is when you're on your way out of camp to pick up other people's mess along the way. Maybe we should call that the... Um, Anti-littering. Like, no, litter spelt backwards, whatever the hell that is. Yeah. We won't be able to work that out, so <laughs> someone will have to... <laughs> wrestle? Yeah. 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 We love to wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, it's quite, it's quite, it's, um, uh, it's yin and yang, though, isn't it? You know, yeah. there's the, yeah. there's the, the, the world is made up of two types of people. It's made up of sound people, and it's made up of dickheads. Yeah, and you're either one or the other. Yeah, like there's people that drop. Which litter. camp are you? Yeah, there's like <laughs> people who drop litter or people who pick it up. Yeah, so don't don't drop litter. Yeah, it's a pristine spot. Um, we were, uh, myself, Christian, and Hugh were being ground dwellers for the evening. Worms, not not necessarily worms. I was a worm. Oh. <laughs> I was a, no, I was a worm. <laughs> um, and Tom, you were a beautiful butterfly suspended yeah. between two trunks, cocooned. Yeah, yeah I was cocooned in the uh, Hennessy hammock. Yeah, it was good. I switched out my um, my trekking poles, which I uh, debuted uh, on my last camp for fixed length uh, carbon fiber poles. And that was a pretty good experience for me. Pretty sexy. Yeah, yeah, nice and mm. light, and 
like single purpose, but that's right. There's no like secondary use for them. Mm. Mm. Well, they're a hell of a lot lighter than trekking poles. You know, if you just if you're not using them, then you know it's a hell of a lot lighter to carry carbon poles than it is to carry trekking poles. Yeah, and, and I don't yeah. use. Uh, I haven't got any practice with using trekking poles to trek, and because it was only a mile from where we park, it's not like a big hike where poles really make a difference to your, uh, like your fatigue no. and pace. No. Now they're just one more thing to carry. Yeah. Yeah, but overall it was a really successful and enjoyable camp. You know, like we we had a decent fire and like, yeah, we had yeah. a really real good fire and yeah. um, you know, cooked some food. I took my um, griddle down there, which is pretty heavy duty, but just makes all the difference when you're like you know, me and Hugh had a couple of frying pans, and it's just so easy. You yeah. know, rather than like balancing it in like on some logs that are burning that at any point lose could, your dinner into the fire yeah could like you know it's all a bit risky but this thing is just solid it was interesting um, uh this time around it was a lot uh windier than our previous camp um and the rate at which we got through yeah it was even it, the a lot of the wood was pretty um wet although the fire was hot enough to for that not to be too big an issue um but you get through fuel a lot more quickly big time windy. big time i couldn't believe it no, it was pretty. It's pretty. There's a few like spots of rain as well. So, but the fire was so hot. If you near it, near it, they yeah, we had decent fire. Evaporate. Yeah, um, beauty. So, do we leading on from fires? Yeah. Do we want to talk about wood collection techniques? Yeah. Well, I I was gonna, I was gonna do a little bit on um, gathering firewood, basically. Um, this so this is gonna be part of a sort of. We're going to try and divide the show up into features that, in the main, we try and stick to each episode. We might not be able to do that all always, um, but this is going to be part of our like skills section. Um, and I think, yeah, if we go with um, f- gathering wood and like choosing wood as our first skills lab, yeah, take it away. Okay, cool. So, uh, if you're in an area where having a fire is um, you know, if you can do that, um, then obviously you're going to have to get your own wood. And, uh, you know, the obviously unless you have a wheelbarrow, unless you've got a wheelbarrow. Um, but you know, if ultimately you want to be really near a wooded area, um, with like, you know, um, pretty decent selection of trees really. Um, well, ultimately it can determine your camp, couldn't it? You know, like, You've been walking along and just kind of find if you say you're in a woods and then you know be and you come in near to a time when you think you might want to camp. Yeah. Um. Have a look around and just kind of like don't just go like oh there's a flat spot or camp there or yeah. like whatever. Just just kind of like kind of walk around for a bit and have a look around and go like you know the areas that feel like you know because you don't be dragging wood from like one end of the woods yeah, to the other. Natural resources. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. De- it's definitely one of the elements that would make me uh, you know that I would be considering when looking for a spot to. St- stop you know and if you've got a filter and you want water then you need a river or a mm. water source you know if you can have a fire you need wood if you sleep on the floor you need flat ground if you're hammock you need trees mm. you know um so yeah i think um gathering wood ultimately you want dead wood so there's no point cutting branch perfectly good branches of trees because they're going to be green full of uh, water and just burn really poorly Mm. Um, and besides, it's not great for the tree if you're. Um, well, you shouldn't be doing that anyway. No, it's, be, it's yeah. pretty much vandalism. So, 
if you if you're out in the woods and you're looking for wood look for dead wood and it's if it's it's pretty obvious to well to me anyway well, and also also a dead standing which should specify that is better than yeah dead sure on the ground. yeah 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 anything on the ground tends to quite often be saturated with water well in this country yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so um dead branches are generally lower down because um they they won't have had the light got to them and the tree will kind of the tree will kind of think oh there's not much point in putting leaves out here and i'll just like shed this branch so most of the time the dead branches are lower down and the, which is good which is good for us and the the dead ones um without like being patronizing uh generally won't have leaves on them or or some of the finer like twig kind of um you know framework they'll be they'll be just sort of look pretty like stubs it's it's, it's interesting it's interesting thing because um you know i've been been you know camping in the summer and uh dead standing dead branches on trees and stuff like that like jump out immediately because they don't have leaves on yeah whereas in the winter a lot of things were deciduous woods they won't have leaves and which can be i found it a little bit more tricky you know you've got to be a bit more sort of like onto where sharp eye yeah yeah and so like what is dead certainly in winter when you've got low light conditions and you Mm. everything's quite silhouetted yeah so yeah it's definitely harder uh but yeah they're the i would say look at um leaves and if it's winter look at um look for finer like form like buds and like you know um you know very fine twigs and stuff like that um because that's all the stuff that starts to break away soon um and also look at the bark you know alive branches tend to be smooth depending on the species um and the dead ones are all kind of like really like you know um rough and textured and deep and um, also i mean if you grab if you grab a branch and you think oh this this is good this is dead and you try and break it and it bends yeah is that's not dead 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 stuff doesn't bend yeah um so yeah that's what you want to be looking at from the ground um one of the tips you i think i think it must have been you that taught it to me is um you can often find uh dead smaller branches uh caught in canopies or in sort of low branches of other trees and they're normally quite good or they're normally quite dry because they've been off the ground yeah um and you know for finding sort of smaller um sort of kindling and tinder that's an excellent place to look it's just to look around you know, around about head height yeah for fallen branches from uh further up in the canopy um yeah there's often sort of good bits of wood to be had then yeah i mean like generally most of the times that we're having fires in the woods is winter and the wind, the ground is going to be soaking, sodden. So there's no point in trying to look for stuff on the floor. That's going to be too wet. And, you know, you've got to be grabbing, you've got to be breaking dead branches off. Or like Jack says, you've got to be fishing them out where they've fallen and they've got stuck in um, the lower canopy. So that's what you want to look for. Regarding methods of uh, getting them, um, don't, do this and then before we move on to there's definitely a disclaimer um during this podcast <laughs> anything that we say or don't suggest, drink and drive yeah don't drink and drive is is you know if you want to go out and do this and you injure yourself we are not accountable um uh, can you just tell me or tell everyone quickly a bit about uh hearth heartwood yeah so um not all trees have heartwood uh but one that's quite obvious is um 
oak trees and when when an oak uh branch dies um one one sort of like i don't know maybe like forearm thick and bigger um oft, often you'll see the the um the living wood will rot away and you'll be left with this kind of like skeletal core which is the heartwood mm, that and that's a beauty in it yeah, yeah and that that stuff's structural to the tree it doesn't actually transport um it doesn't actually transport fluids um so so would that would that heart would actually be in effect dead um dead when the tree's alive and then you've yeah. got the living outside of the tree around that yeah its purpose is 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 merely structural like it's like the bones yeah the the, the living wood will actually die and become heartwood as it gets bigger yeah okay and then um, it add layers onto the exactly heartwood. yeah okay. yeah the core is re- remains the same but it's just the outside that's that's getting mm. bigger and that stuff burns well that that's yeah. kind of like you know and it's rock hard that is good yeah. firewood yeah, yeah. if you can it will last for like fucking all night yeah. yeah it's it's it burns pretty slow and it burns um hot as well um not huge amounts of light but if you're like cooking or you want embers that's really good stuff um but the only downside is it is hard so you're gonna it's hard to cut and it's hard to kick off so what i was saying about this disclaimer thing um climb climb the trees with your arms and legs and boot things off because the thing about doing that is you're if you can kick something off or break something off your hands you're creating a natural um you know break pass fail test as well yeah yeah and if you can't kick it if you can't kick it off it's either not dead enough to come off the tree's not ready to let let it go or it's um you know it might be a big bit of heartwood and you might just it might be too big to kick off yeah and you know it it, but i mean heartwood's obvious i mean it looks completely different yeah yeah oh yeah totally yeah. yeah yeah um but i mean you know, if if you look around in the canopy and you see loads of these like half done cuts or, you know, things like that, you know, it's not, it's nicer if you can, if it's too big, just leave it for like wildlife and just yeah. look for something else. Basically, well, you just, You're just fucking up the tree, aren't you? Just yeah. You, yeah. You kind of just yeah. smashing the place up. And obviously when, uh, when on trips and when out, you, no one drags a sort of a petrol powered chainsaw out with them. No. Um, what would you say are essential tools? tools Good for- question. So, um, tool number one, hands, tool number two, feet, um, for kicking and breaking. Uh, that's my preferred method. Then, uh, the more advanced, um, addition is a rope and get like, you know, whatever rope you can get your hands on and doesn't really matter what length, like as long as it's probably like, I don't know, um, 20 foot or something, 25 foot. Well, it depends on the woods, doesn't it? it depends on the, yeah, like, the trees yeah. in the area. But I mean, I mean, like a f- five foot bit of rope is going to be pretty pointless. Yeah, yeah. So you need to be able to reach wherever it's going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you need a rope somewhere like, I don't know, 25 foot ish, whatever. We're going to have uh, listeners at home saying, but he hasn't mentioned anything sharp yet. It's been hands, feet, rope. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Which um, is kind, dead of, wood. Uh, kind of a surprise. It's dead. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what you want to do with that rope? Well, it's I, th- not- I, think, I think I think it's I think it's good you've walked worked away from this point because obviously if you're cooking things off or pulling things off of the rope or things like that, you're putting a lot less a lot less energy than you would have to put into 
cutting things with yeah, a saw you, or an axe. And it's, you know, it's a lot quicker and more efficient. And like, and, this is the this is where you start and fall back on the other methods. And like, also, also like you know, whatever you want to call it, camping or whatever bushcraft. Um, the idea is that you're you're not you're not that you're not in nature with a load of kit to like you know force your like way of living on nature you're there to to um you know get on with it to get on with it yeah, and like to work with it. with it and and you know and let it talk to you and and you to talk to it yeah. so like if if the branch doesn't want to break off leave it the yeah. tree doesn't want you to have it yet yeah and so that's, the, that's a very zen way of putting it Tom. Like cheers that. mate yeah, yeah. so like breaking stuff off kicking stuff off and then what i'm getting to with the rope is um you could like say if there's no branches and you can't climb the tree, throw the rope over a branch, and then uh, grab Where's the end it? of it and t t grab t t two, two. Tie the rope to a stick and then so give you yeah. the, give the stick give the rope a bit of weight. Yeah, that yeah. makes that can that can aid your um, throwing throwing ability. But then grab both bits of rope and you can break dead branches off that are higher than you can climb or or reach. There's often some great quite, technique. Um, lucrative branches that always seem like just out yeah. of reach slightly. Because you'll find like, especially in areas that are used by others, you'll find that the deadwood will be pretty um, sparse because it'll all have been collected. But not many people will take a rope or be willing to climb up higher or even look up. So that's a cool um, method. Um, and also the other thing is, I was saying about like, about being you know and working with nature mm. is like it's not always about um bringing a load of kit and i, I certainly would never want to um endorse oh you need this tool and you need that tool and you're going to suck if you don't have this i yeah. think it's more about using what you've got and um like for example a fire you know you don't need like um hexi blocks or fire starters or or newspaper or cardboard or whatever you can use the tinders and bits and pieces that are available out in the woods. Mm. Um, but I mean, that's, I mean, that's all pretty like area specific, isn't it? The, the tinders and things like, yeah, true. You, might, you know, you yeah. might, you might, um, you know, it might be worth bringing a piece of some tinder with you. Yeah. Trying to find natural things and saving your tinder yeah. for the time when you haven't got natural things, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, in, 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 in like, in, in like a, you know, a wood with birch trees for example you've got like you know yeah you don't have to worry yeah, you know yeah, but uh, yeah. you might be in an area where everything's a bit damp and things like that yeah and just using a using a, a cotton warble soaked in vaseline yeah and just get it's it going, certainly like. it's certainly good having like i i've got a little tin a tinder tin and inside of it i've got um i've got some um birch bark that i've i've um peeled off trees and um dried um it's just like paper basically and then I've got some um, rose bay um, willow herb, and that's like a little bit like um, I suppose like a bit like cotton wool. I suppose is the closest thing I could liken it to. And then um, I've got that pitch pine that we got from the quarry. Yeah, that was, I've still I've, got I've, some I've, of that. I've still got some of those out. Me and me. This was years ago. Me and Tom went camping in this old abandoned quarry, and um, everything was just sodden. Like it'd been raining, and like, we couldn't get a fire going at all. And we found this log and. It was this like pitch pine log, and it was like just like rich in uh, really rich in resin, mm. and um, 
and we just basically just burnt that. It was like, just light. Um, it yeah. was just light like a candle. Yeah, you, you just set fire to it with the light, and it was burnt, you know. And um, but we, and then we we kept a load of bits of it, and like years later, I've still got bits of it, and I use yeah. like just shave off a few bits, and you can just light light, light it with a match or a lighter, and it was just like you know get anything going. It yeah. was just like burn it's, like a it's candle. Awesome. Yeah. When I run out, we should go back there. Yeah, we should do. We 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 cut. We we'd like put the we stored the log like yeah. hit it away, so we, yeah. we know where it is. So we can go yeah. back and get some more when we need it. But um, yeah, I suppose um we should get onto tools, and um, the tools um that I think you should uh consider if you don't have them already is uh there's there's a brand called Silky, and uh with a Y, and they're they're kind of they make hand saws basically um, for um, arborists. So um, they're like a serrated uh, pull saw basically. And you can get them in like a whole different bunch of different types. But yeah, you want to, you want tools that can cut wood. I think people but, often, uh, the, the back of Lap- Laplanders are often um, well yeah. recommended. And then for the price, it's a really uh, versatile and you know quite a quick cutting tool. But yeah. then I've used the Laplander compared to your silky yeah and the silky is twice the speed of well, cutting anything but back probably twice the price but but back back is mm. like the doa range and silky's like the professional range yeah you know? yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it really is i really was astonished at the difference in speed at cutting yeah. rooms yeah i mean ultimately like whatever the uh subject or or uh topic if you look at what um professionals are using then that's that's a pretty good indicator of of what of what you know of yeah. what the best what, what is. The best is, yeah. yeah, yeah you know, wasting their time with like Yeah, the, you know, like, like yeah. if if you're like in construction or like, you know, um carpentry, you know, like things like Milwaukee and Hilti, you know, and like some of the DeWalt stuff is, you know, really good. Yeah. Um I, I can't talk about like brewery stuff or you know, some of the other tools planes and things but um yeah, that, that's for a different podcast yeah yeah that's getting off <laughs> that's bit off. Time. yeah <laughs> sorry yeah getting off getting off so um, but yeah, yeah but that, that's how i um, i think for most people's needs and most people's budgets um the laplanders are a pretty good pretty lightweight um useful yeah get, oh, a, sil- get well, a silky well, yeah well, well basically yeah get a silky but i just like to say I, i've had a, a laplander for a while and you know it's done me well no doubt a silky's better but i just like to say i did I was in Australia and I had a fiscus um, uh, saw and like, so, so like a, a backer or a silky is like a folding type blade, like kind of a pen knife sort of style thing. And then the fiscus is like a, a sliding one. So you have the handle and the blade slides inside the handle and then it's got a little kind of grub screw on the outside. You lock up and don't ever buy one of those. The first time I used it, I snapped it straight away. So don't buy one of those. Well, speaking of snapping cutting tools, Tom, is there anything you'd like to mention? Um. Yeah, I actually did break the tip <laughs> off my silky. Um, I was wondering what you're getting at there. Yeah, I um, I was I I did. To be fair, I had I was pretty um. You went drunk, were you? I was a bit drunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I was. It, it looked was, at you funny. Yeah, I was just. It, it's not. Yeah, the, the it's a uh, it's the F one eighty silky. It's a folding silky, and uh, it's a bit more flexible than my one at work. Which, which is um, oh, a yeah. fixed, fixed blade excuses. one, <laughs> and I just was being a bit heavy-handed with it. Uh, but like I say, they do shitloads of different ones, so and they are. Uh, I stand good. corrected because I thought that the um, the silkies were uh, twice the price of the backos. Um, but just checking them out online now, they're the same price, if not a little bit 
uh, cheaper though. That might be because it's on offer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's my recommendation. Like, so the Silky F one eighty. Yeah. Well, the Silkies are are you know you could do like you know two or three hundred cuts a day, like two or three days a week with one of those. Whereas the back is is aimed more at the recreational yeah. market, I would say. Recreational but anyway, so yeah, uh, silkies. I think bow saws make a lot of sense. Uh, you can obviously cut bigger stuff with a bow saw. And you, can, you can get some. I don't know any off the top of my head, but you can get some really cool uh, folding bow saws that like pack yeah. into pack into themselves and you that can, kind of stuff. You can pick up like basic ones of various sizes. You get under being for like, and like for like you know. twenty quid. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, you could get a more premium one. Um, you know, I know there's one on the Ray Mears website mm. that's about 100 quid, 110 quid. Yeah. And it's got this wood frame um, and it's got the blade that you can store like in like, you know, your billy can or whatever. Is that the one you do like a Spanish windlass with the cord at the top? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, there's those. But I mean, dep- depends on like your budget and what you, you know. Well, also how long you can camp for, how far yeah. you're walking, how long you're camping to, for. Yeah. To be honest, I would have thought like a, standard bow saw you could just strap that onto your pack it's not yeah. no big deal well it depends if you're you walking down the down the road you're working 30 miles you know yeah true um but carrying all that wood is probably like that's probably quite heavy <coughs> where are you carrying wood well i mean the, the frame for the, oh right yeah yeah, for yeah the folding yeah. one yeah i would yeah, say yeah. that's probably heavier than like a cheap metal framed one yeah probably yeah no doubt yeah 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 I think there's an old. Um, everyone probably knows this already, so I don't even know why I'm saying it. But there's, I'm pretty sure there's an old proverb that says something like, um, "like collecting firewood warms you twice." Yeah, well, having would... having a fire warms you yeah. warms you three times. Um, yeah, because there's a lot of it's. It can be quite a um, whether you're sort of like scrambling around trees looking for wood or actually cutting or chopping. Um, you like is quite a quick way to warm you up. There's, there's, there's the three times there's uh, collecting the like chopping the firewood like actually getting the bits there's carrying it back to camp and there's having the fire there's, there's like yeah. three yeah um so yeah saws bow saws and silkies then um you know depending on like what diameter wood you know you could split that wood um you know and that's definitely going to be that's going to burn easier so you know you could have um you know axes hatchets um you know whatever you want really uh smaller stuff hey m18s m18s yeah you could have an m18 uh, that's, that's not that's not a latin or, gang yeah um, <laughs> no um then yeah so that they're, they're the kind of tools that that you can use to break that wood down um and yeah i mean that's that's pretty much as far as gathering wood and processing wood goes. I, just, I would say the downside of axes, they're heavy and also they're pretty noisy. Like if, I mean, no, never mention like, you know, if you're in a creek where the echo is like massive, but, um, you know, wherever you are, like in the UK, especially like, well, anywhere in the UK, you know, unless you, you've got access to like a bigger state or something, you know, a lot of the camping you know, it's not always going to be where you've got permission. It's gorilla. I was, yeah. I, was, I, was, I would just like to say, um, so what basically Tom's been talking about is camping in like hardwood deciduous forests, forests which are um, which are native to where we live. Um, I know in Scotland you you do get Scots pines, which are uh, 
a native softwood. <clears throat> um, and um, I mean, I don't have particularly a lot of, you know, of experience in softwood forests, but I do know that um, you get things called fire ladders on, on softwood trees, which are the kind of, the, as, the lower, as the trees get taller, the, you know, all the lights at the top, so the lower branches kind of die off and you end up with stumps sticking out of the, of the tree. And what you can do is you can knock those stumps off because they just kind of break off kind of easy. And then they've got like a knot where they join to the tree. And that knot is like full of full of sap and resin. And uh, they're called fire ladders because when there's a, if there's a forest fire, they they race up the they race up the little nubbins that are full of sap and then, mm. you know, catch Stops. fire up, up to the top. But um, these like nubbin things are just rich in resin and will like burn really well. So, uh, you know, occasionally you might be camped near like a softwood plantation or something like that, you know, and then... Uh, Look for yeah. those. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we take a break, Tom, can you just tell us a bit about um, uh, actually cutting limbs off trees and cutting branches off? And, you know, is there any uh, technique or like, do you just cut perpendicular to the direction of growth? Yeah, so, um, I mean, like, yeah, boot stuff off because that's natural. But if you are going to cut something off, if say for example that's the only branch that you can get, um, what where you want to make the cut with like your silky bow saw whatever, um, use use a saw with a blade that don't like try and use an axe because it's just gonna be complete shit. Um, you make a mess. You're gonna make a mess. Get put the cut. If you look at the the branch union where a branch meets the main stem of the tree, um, I mean some species it's more obvious but you'll have something called a growth collar and that will look kind of a bit like um this or like a, a bit they call sometimes they call it like a saddle and it's basically uh the the bark will come away from the the trunk to form this branch and it will have a little bit of a you almost a, have like a lip there a, yeah, yeah a lip or like a ridge <clears throat> And um, like, look at like when you're next near some trees, have a look at them because, um, you know, it's it is kind of obvious on some species. But you want to cut the branch flush with that. So don't cut the branch flush with the trunk. Cut it flush with this ridge, because basically within that ridge, there's a shitload of energy that's that's stored and like banked for a branch failure. And then what that will do is it will it will callus over like and the, the the tree will grow over that wound much much quicker and more efficiently if that's retained so um that's something to look out for and if i haven't described it enough look it up on the internet we'll try and uh, post a link to a photo in the show notes yeah yeah um i think I, we're going to take a break to have a drink and uh, make sure we know what we're talking about in the next section which will be our big we know what we're talking about jack we're professionals <laughs> uh, i don't think anyone's buying that um we're gonna do our first big gear report um so all that and more next and we're back uh, uh tom you wanted to add a couple of bits to the um the skills report on wood and wood gathering yeah so uh i talked about how you're going to get this wood uh but something i missed was um species so, um, you know, oak heartwood is going to be uh, like, you know, that's what you want to be looking for. But, um, you know, any of the hardwoods, ash, beech, uh, sycamore. Well, also, ash, 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 ash actually burns green, but you don't, yeah. you don't really want to be burning green wood. Really. No, no, because I mean, green, like, green wood's going to be wood that you've cut unless yeah, exactly, it's a fallen yeah. branch. And, and also, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're like hypothermic and you need to get a fire going, then, you, you know, yeah. 
burn some green ash. Yeah, that's, like, yeah that's good information. Yeah. But I think, I mean, people say, I mean, it, it does burn, but it's it's going to be nowhere near as good as dead no, wood. I mean, it's like if you're, if you're up shit creek. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. In that situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, once, you, once you've managed to acquire this wood, um, I wouldn't bother back to species. I wouldn't bother with things like lime, willow, poplar. They're pretty like damp species. Um, so yeah, just look at the hardwoods I would. Um, but yeah, once you've got this wood, you know, you're going to get that back to camp and establish a fire. Um, and you know, use that for light warmth, um, you know, around. dancing around. And, um, you know, a lot of people are going to want to cook off it. So, you know, that's, that's going to be really, um, useful, but you might not always be able to have a fire. There might not be any trees or, um, you might be in an area where a fire isn't suitable, uh, for various reasons. And if you still want to cook food and you don't have the ability to have a fire, then you're going to want to think about taking a stove, um, and there's so many options with that, and I'm sure. Chris... I, I, I think initially there's obviously leading on from wood. There's uh, wood burning stoves, and um, I'll be honest right now, I've never actually used one. But what if you know? I mean, obviously the advantages of a wood burning stove are you don't have to carry fuel, um, but then you you know you've got the thing of like you're gonna have to find fuel, and uh, but you can have you can have in effect you can have a um, you know, a, a small uh, contained fire, and um, it's, it'd be easier to control. And also, also in a wood burning stove, you've um, you know, you say say for example, you've got um, sort of a four sided plate uh, thing that you're feeding sticks into. It's a lot more um, directed because you're you're kind of like you're almost like chimneying, chim chim chimneying. If that's a word, like yeah, that's uh, a word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chim chimney. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Uh, like. We're focusing like the fire into up a spout kind of thing, and so you know you can you can make your wood go further than if you had a spread out, you know, well you know a fire that was just an open fire. Yeah. Um, one th- yeah. W- one thing about open fires is you need a shitload of wood, whereas um, they're not very energy efficient when it comes to if you're just trying to heat one, you one sort of cook bit of cookware or yeah, um, they're throwing that energy all over the place, which is often something that you want. You get loads of heat from it. Yeah. But it's not I mean, if you've got five very... people sat around a fire, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. what I'm just thinking is um if you want if you want to have a fire where you can't have a fire, you might be passing through a woodland and it you could gather up like, you know, a ha- a decent handful of twigs and small material and that wouldn't be too bad to carry. Yeah. Whereas that'd be enough wouldn't... that'd be enough to boil your water to cook. Exactly, your yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it you can still use wood, but you can use it you can actually transport it because you need a smaller volume. Yeah. Um, before we uh, continue with this uh, gear test, um, I'd just like to say that when Christian arrived today, he had a little dry bag with him. And uh, he said, oh, um, I want to show you this. And I thought that this was going to be one item. Out of this dry bag came, I'll do a, a real-time on-air count. One, two, three, four, five, six, six stove types. Um, which I thought having two stoves was excessive, which is what I've got. Um, and Christian brought, just brought the six ones he could lay his hands on. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, so he's our most qualified um, stove expert, I think it's fair to say. Although uh, both Tom and Christian have used um, different fuel types, whereas I've only used canister stoves. But anyway, let's carry on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, I think 
starting with kind of canister stoves and my experience and what kind of what I know about them. Um, I think that uh, you, you know, when, when you, for, well, to start with, I think if you're making a decision between um, sort of, I know there's, you know, canister stoves, um, methylated spirits stoves or alcohol stoves um, and uh, there's, there's Hexman tablets. Um, I know like Hexman tablet, you just set on like a tray and set fire to it basically. Um, I've never really had much to do with those because I, think I just them, doesn't he? Yeah, I know Hugh, 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 our friend uses them, but um, I just kind of felt felt like um, they were kind of. It's hard to get. I, I imagine it's hard to get fuel because it's quite a, a specific kind of thing. Like in in a general sort of um, uh, like if you're walking near to a general sort of campsite, it's probably going to have methylated spirits and it's probably going to have canisters, but it's less likely to have a, a Hexmin tablet. Um, so I've never really bothered with those. Um, They're quite one-dimensional as well. It's yeah, like, it's just like a one-dimensional you light it, thing. Yeah, yeah, and it does whatever yeah. it wants to do. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. you know, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. There's like you know, it's a great thing because you just need a tray and you just set fire to a cube and it like boils your water, which is a great foolproof way of boiling water. Um, but it's um, it's something that never really appealed to me too much. Um, yeah. Uh, so anyway, talking about what I kind of have experience with. Um, Canister stove. When you're talking about canister stove versus alcohol stoves, um, f- first thing that might come to mind is like weight, and I really don't think there's a lot of difference in the weight thing between like carrying a you know a lot of a lot of alcohol stoves. The actual stove unit is a lot lighter, um, but it's offset by the weight of um, carrying ca- ca- carrying the fuel. Yeah, um, yeah. You got uh, and yeah. I feel like the sort of anyway why 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 i prefer i me personally i probably prefer an alcohol stove because um say you've got a canister um pros pros of canister okay pros all right yeah that's good that's a good way of doing it okay pros of canister pros of canister is you can i think primary 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 primarily pro uh thing is you boil water quickly um and you can modulate you can modulate so you can simmer easily uh I mean, you can get like you can get like simmer rings and things like that for alcohol stoves but it's not quite as um you know fine tunable um you can um yeah and I, f- I feel like that's the main pro with with canister stoves They're fairly robust in the way that well, you can't they can't they can't spill in your pack like if you've got a, a plastic bottle with meths in it if that pierced or the lid was to come loose and you had fuel spill. Yeah, but you keep 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 you keep methylated spirits on the outside of your pack. Yeah, you, like, you yeah. do. Well, you but, do if you know to do that. Like yeah. there must there will be people out there who have spilt meths in their bag. Yeah. Whereas that but, but can't really spill. But but I mean I mean meth spilt in your bag isn't really the end of the world anyway, because um at the end of the day it's not methylated spirits is not uh, petroleum based, it's um alcohol based. So it's gonna be it's like it's based on fermented you know sugars um so it's it's not really the end of the world and it will evaporate fairly quickly so you can dry things out yeah. it's, 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 not, it's not like spilling like petrol in your bag or something like that um canister stoves are obviously pressurized so um if you pierce one like that that can be bad news um but yeah i i think i think um also you know something i like, like anyway i'll get, I'll get onto the pros of uh alcohol stoves you got um, I I feel I prefer, I like them because you um 
you can see like number one you can see exactly how much fuel you've got left like in a canister you kind of you know you obviously unless you unless you've got a scale with you and you can weigh the canister which you're probably not going to have you know you don't really know how much you, how much fuel you got left in there you can We're, shake them and you can kind yeah, of yeah you can get an you idea can feel you can get an yeah. idea but, but if it's still full like, you can tell the difference between when it's empty yeah, but yeah. there's no real yeah, oh yeah. i've got uh 75 mil yeah where there's way, 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 weighing there. them is the only way to know yeah it's difficult yeah. to know how much fuel you're using per sort of cooking task yeah yeah uh, the, I, would, I would like to say as well like if you're cooking on a canister stove um you, using low to medium heat is a lot more fuel efficient than just going full bore and like you you might think i don't know, like you know you get your water bored quicker but you're actually going to use up way more fuel than if you have it on a low to medium heat your canister is going to go way further um but yeah, but that's, anyway, that, that's that's basically as 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 far as I can see, the biggest the pro with a canister stove is boil times, um, and that's pretty much the biggest like biggest pro with with a canister stove. Um, negatives of a canister stove are you um, there's a lot to go wrong. They're there's complicated. Lots, like there's yeah, so many moving there's bits, of, there's, screws, yeah, there's nuts, that folds up, needles. there's like jets that get blocked, expensive. There's, yeah, they yeah. cost a lot of money. They're kind of. I think that's. Therein lies some of their like consumer attract- attraction because they're they're quite often like desirable, sexy little bits of machined, milled, yeah, um, gear billets of you know two different, three different metals. Um, yeah, they they've got like a they've got that sexy gear vibe Magpie. to them, um, which is probably why they're quite. That's probably why I've got um, two different styles because I'm a sucker for. Sexy bits of mill gear, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> yeah, I've got two types of canister stove. I've got a um, you get uh, I've got a um, canister top mounted stove which screws on top, kind of like the, a pocket rocket kind of style thing, and then you have like the regulator on the side. And I've also got uh, a remote- your one seems oh. to have an integrated um, uh, piezoelectric ignition. So what have we got here? What what um on the canister stove side? What canister stoves do we have? I can speak for myself when I say I've got the ubiquitous MSR pocket rocket, um, which I loved. I thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. And then I got a the uh, cook pot I was using it with is a GSI um either I think it's the Soloist Halulite Soloist yeah Soloist um and the it's a pot that's a cook pot that's the perfect size to fit a um. So one of the small um, 125. 125 mil or gram canisters in, um, which seems like quite an efficient p- uh, pot size to have for a, sort of a solo use. Um, and the the pots, the integrated pot stand on the Pocket Rocket is actually just a, it's just big enough to support um, this cook pot, but it always makes for a pretty precarious balance, which when you're you know boiling and simmering food and liquid, sort of the more secure and less risky the the pot stand is especially so, when you're stirring so the pot yeah the, it was just uh, pot stand arms are slightly too far apart and the pot is sort of just sort of slopping in the middle of this thing yeah which for something that's designed to be um you know a backpackers you know often solo stove um it seems a sort of a bit of a design uh shortcoming really so i was able to find i really like the look of the um the snow peat light max uh titanium stove but there there's getting snow getting hold of snow peak kit in the uk isn't always straightforward um there's only a few importers and they often don't have 
stock of the things you wanted. But I found a company called, I think they're called Covea. Um, yeah, Covea. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But they actually, they're the manufacturers of a lot of Snowpeak gear. And I was able to find a Covea um, stove. I can't think of the name of it. But it's a almost identical design to the Snowpeak Light Max. Um, 60 grams. Nice bit of kit. It uh, projects the uh, burner flame sideways as opposed to directly up like the pocket rocket which um, appears to distribute the heat a bit more evenly. And the best thing about it from my use is the pot stand um, almost uh, extends right the way to the center of the uh, burner head. So it makes a really good stable stand for small pots. You probably even put a, um, a mug on there quite happily. Um, yeah, for my needs, it's exactly right. But I balance that out because I'm, uh, I've had a couple of spills with hot liquids and small stove pots I've also paired that with um like a sort of like kind of like a folding tripod type um canister legs support um which I'm quite pleased with although it doesn't fold down small enough to fit inside a pot so I might look at plastic feet as an alternative I've, 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 I've actually got some you can yeah have. I've got some plastic feet that I got in my jet boil which I forgot to bring ah cool yeah. <laughs> if I, I could I have some mate I didn't really yeah. use them okay but um, I, we might see my next uh, my next canister support with six plastic feet, so it's super <laughs> two lots of. Um, so, I mean, what we're talking about this canister stove, you've got the top mounted um, stoves that mount on that screw directly onto the top of the canister, and then you've got like a remote um, yeah. setup. Yeah. So, so um, what are the pros and the cons of? Of a top-mounted stove versus a remote okay. stove. All right, so so a top-mounted stove is going to be lighter. Um, it's going to be uh, not as probably not as steady as um, unless you, the feet make make the canister pretty steady. Steady, um, but uh, yeah, but the I've I've got a remote-mounted stove. It's called uh, like a Primus Dragonfly, I think it's called, and um, basically it, it kind of folds out. And because because the um, the canister is mounted off on a hose. Um, and what you can, and then it's got a regulator on top of the canister. Um, so what you can actually do is you can turn the canister upside down. So if it's really cold or at high altitude or something like that, um, and uh, your liquid isn't uh, in your in your gas canister isn't turning into a gas properly uh, for when it, when it compresses out the, out the gas canister, you can um, you can turn the gas canister upside down, and then the liquid will pour out of the out of the uh, down the hose, and then it's actually got coming off the hose going around the top of the burner uh, it's got a, a copper pipe that will heat up the we heat up the liquid so it can vaporize and, uh, and turn to gas kit, actually yeah and also because the uh the primus stove is remote it's lower has a lower center of gravity and it's more stable mm. Um, it's got a very wide pot support. You can put like a frying pan on it. Yeah, you can put like a full size frying pan on it. It's really, really stable. Mm. Suits an MSR Titan kettle very nicely. The the only downside to this is uh, weight. Yeah, it's, it's quite a heavy bit of kit. Like, it'd be good for cooking like for three people in a big pan, you know? Yeah, yeah. If Yeah. More extreme environment at a shorter distance mm. would be really good. Mm. Um, so then I suppose... Um, Moving away from canisters, if that's something that doesn't appeal to you or doesn't suit your needs, you've got the uh, realm of, um, you know, liquid fuel. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I think, methods. I think, I think, 
the best way for me to go about this is to just go down my sort of road of having different uh, alcohol alcohol stoves. Um, so I think probably before even a canister stove, I had a Trangier, and um, that was that was like a great stove at the time. Um, obviously, the burner is like it's a it's a brass unit and it's like bomb proof. It's got simmering, um, and the whole Trangier unit is a really good unit um, with all the you know the pot supports and all that kind of stuff, and it all packs away quite neatly. Um, but then when I kind of started researching a bit more about it, it, it is quite a heavy, quite a heavy thing when you're, when you're trying to go lightweight and trying to hike a long way. Um, so then I started like kind of going into other, other, other ways of doing it. And I came across, um, a white box stove and, um, that's, that's a double walled stove and, um, it's got, it's a, it's a side burner. So you, there's kind of two basic, basic, uh, way uh alcohol stoves there's a side burner and there's a top burner and you really need to with alcohol stoves you really need to pay pair your um your this your your base diameter of your pot to your stove um and how the because i found and i had i had an msl well, tight the, kettle. the same's true with um canister stoves as sort of as i've found um making sure that your your whole system works as one yeah, but 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 also also I mean the thing is with the canister stove is generally the head of a canister stove is a lot smaller than a, any kind of pot you've got, whereas the white box stove is is quite a big area and the, a lot of the, and because it's side burning and it's under pressure, um, it's it's pushing the jets actually past the side of the pot and so a lot of the, a lot of the heat is just lost up the side of the pot, um, uh, and and then and I was just messing around trying different things. Um, Andrew Skirker uh, had a design on the internet for a cat food can stove, which is a really basic, you know, made out of an old cat food can with holes punched around the top. I tried that out, but it had the same problems. Like, it's really suited to a lot wider pot. So then I thought um, a top-burning stove, like a Trangier is actually a top-burning stove, but I didn't want the whole assembly of having all that weight. So then I looked at um, uh, uh, Triad um, Vargo, uh, Vargo Triad Titanium, and... Um, that was that was a really nice stove. Um, it had it had it had some drawbacks which I just didn't really like. Um, it like you'd have to um, to to light it. You'd have to. It's got like kind of a dish center, and you'd have to fill it up with quite a lot of mess to get it going. And it would take quite a long time to prime. Um, something you can do is fill a bit of bottle, a bottle cap with mess and put it underneath it, and it will prime a lot quicker. It's got little legs on it, so you can push it into the ground. Um, you don't need a pot support for this for this stove. Like some of the some of the some of the stoves you do like the um, the uh, Trangier stove, you need a pot support for it, or else you just smother the flame. The um, the white box stove, you put the pot straight on top of it, and um, it pressurize it pressurizes the system and then pushes the flame out the sides. Um, yeah, uh, which which I can see pros and cons of both of them. Like it's another thing you don't have to carry like a pot stand. However, if you've got like uh, say for example the white box stove it's actually got quite a small diameter base so if you've got a pot of water balanced on 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 this uh on this small stove it actually becomes quite wobbly and tippy um and the vargo stove solved this by having little prongs that push into the ground and uh which is really good but i didn't like the way you had to fill it you can you can blow the vargo out which you can't do with the other stoves so you, and you can recoup your fuel yeah. but um but it does take a long time to prime and you got to fill it up and yeah, I just like, didn't think it was that great. Um, and then I, I kind of, I'd messed around with them before, but I kind of started trying out um, uh, like a soda can stove made with two halves of soda cans and using a wire pot support. And I've, I've found, that's the kind of 
setup I'm kind of liking at the moment because it's really light. Um, it's kind of simple. Uh, it's it's a top burning stove, so it's going to hit the bottom of the MSR Titan kettle like really well. Um, yeah. When do you use yeah. it with a pot stand? Yeah, you need a pot stand for that because or else you just you put the flame out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. you've got uh, you're walking out the door. Um, you're going a weekend camping with uh, me, Tom, and maybe our buddy Todd, perhaps Hugh. You only got enough uh, space to carry one of your many stoves. Which one are you taking? I would go soda can stove. Yeah. Or I'd go stove stoveless. Yeah. Okay. Stoveless. Okay. We'll yeah. chat about more about stoveless. Okay. So stoveless uh, in um, future episodes. In future episodes. Yeah, that. I reckon. Okay. Oh, well, okay. we can discuss it now. Let's okay. See. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, because you don't have to have hot food. I think the sort of the idea that hot food's an essential part of um, human survival is kind of not really true. Mm. Well, I think um, it comes down to as well like. If you're um, to, to begin with, if if you need if you need hot food as kind of a, hot food is a great like morale booster, you know, and um, if you feel like it's worth carrying the weight of the fuel and the stove and and the cook pot and all the rest of it, then like you know go for it. But um, but you might feel like you know just give it a go, and you might feel like you don't actually need it, you know. Um, if you if you love coffee in the morning, then that might be something you need. Um, but if you're going on a long hike, um, sort of. Uh, fuel availability becomes becomes an issue like uh, I know in 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 the UK and in America um, the canisters are the same um, and the same I know there's the same in Australia shout out to everyone in Australia uh, <laughs> but in 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 France they That's have complete... you Heather <laughs> <laughs> hi Heather in 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 France they have uh, a totally different canister which is like an un, a, a not resealable sort of canister and it, yeah anyway so fuel availability is a big issue um also you got to look at uh when it comes when it comes to food that you're going to be cooking um is well, a really a really important thing to look at is if you're hiking a long way is um calories per 100 grams and what you should be shooting for is um about 440 calories per 100 grams um and you you, you 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 can balance this out by having um, some things which have less calories per hundred grams make things better to eat, and then by supplementing with other things which are um, which are higher in calories. Um, for example, like olive oil is pretty much the best weight to uh, calorie food you can get. I think it's something like eight hundred and forty calories per hundred grams, and uh, and then. Yeah, so you can have you can have things that less calories and just put like a dollop of olive oil on it and make it just a you know a much better food and much um, more slippery. Yeah, much more slippery, go down easier. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I think and uh, well, I think I think probably the main thing with no stove cooking is is rehydrating things. A lot of a lot of food you can you can rehydrate cold. Um, so for instance, like instant mashed potato is like kind of a classic one where. You know, it doesn't actually take that long to rehydrate, but you can actually rehydrate like uh, super noodles or like ramen or whatever you call them um, by like, you know, it takes longer. So you might like at lunchtime, you might, um, you all you need is like a plastic jar, like an old uh, peanut butter, plastic peanut butter jar or like something with a screw top that isn't going to leak and uh, and just put your noodles in it at like lunchtime and then put just cold water in it. And then a good thing to do is you could put it next to your, next to your, like under your arm or something like that. And it was, it, but at least by lunch, by dinner time when you come to eat it, it's going to be body temperature at least. Armpit flavored 
peanut butter jar. Oh, Super yeah. <laughs> classic, <laughs> yeah. classic high calorie, yeah. Yeah. zero heat. It's all about the grams. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Sweet. Okay, Delia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Any other tips? Just our roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On our next episode, what are we going to talk about? Well, I think, Christian, your um, trip this weekend is worth mentioning. Yeah. Prior so to I'm, doing it. So anyway, I'll, I'll um, I'm what I'm planning this weekend is there's there's a there's a path called the Saints Way, and it runs from Padstow on the north coast of Cornwall to Foy on the south coast of Cornwall. Um, it's 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 28 miles long, and um, I'm planning on doing it on Saturday Sunday, and I'm just going to walk in, on Saturday until I um I get bored or tired, and then camp, and then do the rest of the rest of the walk the next day. Um, but I'll, I'll give you a give you a rundown on, it on next next week's episode and uh, how it actually goes but yeah um, cool gear Sounds wise good. i think we should talk about uh backpacks and carry yeah um, yeah yeah i've got a new pack which may or may not be here by then um and uh did, have done quite a lot of research over the last 48 hours or so christian nearly bought a pack last night yeah um it was out of stock luckily yeah. Phew. Dodged <laughs> yeah. that bullet. Um, um but I, i've got i've got a few i've got a few i can talk about for yeah. different loads and yeah. stuff like that yeah. yeah um okay cool well Next episode will be the pack issue. I, I wouldn't mind um, mentioning um, something I've got uh, coming up um, t- over at, um, over in America. Uh, TM Hunt Custom Knives. Um, they're really really nice um, uh, little company out there. They're making some really really good work. Um, and the guy over there, Todd, he's he's a really good guy. Um, I've had a little bit of correspondence with him recently, and he's been really really good. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're looking, you know, if you're thinking about, um, you know, maybe getting a new knife, um, he's got a whole bunch of different stuff out there and what's the website, uh, tmhuntcustomknives.com, I think, but you know, that'll come up in a Google search or you can find them on Instagram, uh, TM Hunt. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, we'll do links, but, um, yeah, he's been really good and I'm, I'm hoping to, um, buy one of his knives soon and um you know like i say he's, he's just a great guy we'll probably great, at some point company. do um a big um knife special edition because no, yeah knife knife um, uh segment. Like, like, call that a knife yeah <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll sneak a spoon into the mix and see if any of our eagle-eared listeners can uh, i want the plastic spoon it. i love the plastic spoon <laughs> um, but uh like everything like there's such um there's so much detail and information and variety of gear that is available yeah um and, and we're, we're never going to be able to talk about everything you know everything that's out there and you know but we would we'll just talk about our experience and our knowledge of, of you know what we can see and know just vent vent <laughs> yeah vent yeah. um well Thank you from myself, Tom, and Christian for tuning in again. I thought you were going to say from the bottom of my heart then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Um, and uh, this has been a field test. Yeah. And until next time. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Bye.